Today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And it is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday because we recognize what has happened in our nation since that incredible, fateful, infamous day where abortion was legalized on demand in all 50 states. Since then, 60 million plus babies have been murdered in this nation. 60 million and counting. I think it is a worthy topic to talk about in the midst of the people of God. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday does not mean that if abortion is a part of your past that God has brought you here this morning to shame you. We are not defined by our past or shamed by our past. Our stories, although they are a part of our past, don't shame us, but they help shape our story so we can ultimately find redemption and hope. But what Sanctity of Human Life Sunday does mean is that here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, we believe emphatically that all human life from the beginning and moment of conception has intrinsic value simply because we are created in the image of God. And to look at this topic more deeply this morning in light of what God's word says, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, and then we'll skip ahead to the New Testament and look at James 1, verse 27. Let's look to what God's word says concerning the sanctity of all human life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. Do you remember where you were on 9-11? Getting that phone call, maybe turning on the news, seeing those images in, whether it be New York City or Washington, D.C., central Pennsylvania, seeing the scenes all across America of airports being shut down and all flights being grounded. And in the days and weeks following that catastrophe, particularly in New York City, you saw signs posted everywhere that said, never forget. Because it was on that fateful, fateful day 3,000 people lost their lives. And we were called as a nation to never forget. Did you know that in America, 
3,000 babies are aborted every day. There is a 9-11 in our nation every day. And I am asking you this morning, the Church of Jesus Christ, never, never forget. So what do we do and how do we respond in the midst of a culture of death? How do we respond with hope and establish and transform it into a culture of life? Well, we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to the foundation and the foundation for the people of God established on the very first pages of Scripture is the foundation of the doctrine of the image of God. That the image of God from the moment of conception is the foundation for the people of God, for the sanctity of human life. So briefly this morning, I want to give you two ideas concerning the image of God and three things that you can begin to do tomorrow. Two ideas concerning the image of God, concerning the sanctity of human life, and three things you can practically begin to do tomorrow. The first thing I want to establish in this message this morning is the image of God and the sanctity of human life. In verse 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1, we see the issue, what makes life sacred? Unfortunately, that is up to debate, up for debate in our society and culture. What actually makes life sacred? But the people of God, using this understanding of what God did at creation, have never had to doubt what makes life sacred. It is the reality and the truth that all life has been created in the image of God. And that is why we don't have to waver, we don't have to question, is this life sacred or is this life sacred? No, we can say without a shadow of a doubt that all life is sacred without exception because of the absolute objective truth that all lives are created in the image of God. It is the doctrine of the image of God that communicates to the people of God and to the world that this is where we find our self-worth and our value. That we are not defined by our past. We are not defined by this world. Our identity of whether we are valuable and worthy is not defined by subjective, by the subjective reality of this world. But our worth and our value is defined by an objective, absolute God. This is what makes life worthy. This is what makes life valuable. That we are created in the very image of God to experience incredible, beautiful fellowship with God and to experience incredible, beautiful fellowship with each other. That was what is so tragic about the fall in Genesis chapter 3, that you have these beautiful image bearers of God now experiencing a broken image, and it not only broke our fellowship with God, but it broke our fellowship with one another. But it is the reality of the image of God in all people that gives us worth and our value, and it is what makes all human life from the beginning of conception. 
and the beginning of life sacred. Now when you look back in history, when you look back at the Greco-Roman world 2,000 years ago, abortion and infanticide were widespread. When you look back at the Greco-Roman world 2,000 years ago, orphans were abandoned and widows were neglected. But within three to four hundred years, all of that changed. Why? Because of the doctrine of the image of God. Because the, the people of God following Jesus Christ and establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven said it is the image of God in all people that makes it unthinkable to live in a society where infanticide and abortion are widespread. It was the doctrine of the image of God being carried out and lived out by the people of God that made leaving orphans abandoned unthinkable and neglecting the widow unthinkable. It was all because of the doctrine of the image of God being proclaimed and lived out that allowed this world to be transformed. It changed the Western world. Listen to me. When a society loses God, when a society abandons God, when a society removes God from the public square, we are only left to define the worth and value of an individual according to subjective reality. There is no absolute truth that grounds rights, that grounds human rights, that grounds intrinsic value in all people. You've heard it said that if everything is important, nothing's important. Well, if everything is sacred, then nothing is sacred. Sanctity of human life, grounded in the reality of the image of God. Listen to me. We live in a culture that has turned its back on God, and therefore we are more outraged at a manatee being harmed than 60 million babies being aborted in this country. Now, don't get me wrong. I am against harming manatees, uh, uh, manatees. But when there is more public outrage over a hurt manatee than 60 million babies being aborted, there is something wrong with that culture and something wrong with that society. The truth of the sanctity of human life grounded in the truth and the reality of the image of God in all people. That is what grounds our worth and our value. So image of God and the sanctity of human life, they are inseparable truths. Second, the image of God and conception. So if the, if the first issue was what makes human life sacred, the image of God, the next issue is this, and it is widespread issue, not only in our society, but unfortunately, even in our church, even in the church of Jesus Christ. And this is the issue. When does human life begin? Because most people will recognize, yes, human life is sacred. Human life has intrinsic value, but the debate is, has always been over, when does human life begin? And we see in the scriptures that human life begins at conception. Go back to Genesis. When does God establish the image in human beings? At birth? No. It says when he makes them, when he creates them, when he creates them in the womb, that is when the image is bestowed upon a human being. It is from the moment of conception that we see what? Personhood. Think about the Psalms. 
Psalm 139. God knit me together. Where? In my mother's womb. He didn't begin knitting me together outside of the womb, but inside the womb. Think of Psalm 51. I was conceived in what? In sin, my mother, uh, I was conceived. Talking about personhood, the ancients understood, and all throughout the Old Testament, the people of God understood that personhood begins at conception, not outside of the womb, but inside of the womb. So if all life is sacred because we have been created and made in the image of God, we need to understand that it begins from the moment of conception. Look at Exodus 21 with me. Exodus 21 and the establishment of the law for the people of God. In verse 22, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose upon him and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. Listen, the ancients understood The people of God always understood that personhood and the sanctity of human life begins in the womb from the moment of conception. That's why the people of God in the Old Testament and the people of God in the New Testament at all cost made sure that life was protected from the very beginning of conception. Now let me just pause there. Because I know some have criticized the church of Jesus Christ by honing in on this one issue of abortion. And I want to make it very clear that we at Coral Ridge are not simply just anti-abortion, but we are pro-life. That we believe in the sanctity of human life, not just for babies in the womb, but from womb to the tomb, as they say. We believe in the sanctity of human life. I think if you've been a part of the Coral Ridge family for any period of time, that could never be questioned. We just raised as a church close to $200,000 to reach our city and to reach the most vulnerable. So we are not talking about the sanctity of human life simply in the womb, but we are talking about the sanctity of human life for people at all stages of life. However, the reason this issue of abortion And the sanctity of human life from the moment of conception is so critical for the church is this. Go back to our passage in James. James 1.27, what does it say? He says, this is religion. To care for the orphan and care for the widow. This is religion, undefiled. Now you can make the argument, James, religion is way more than that. It's caring for the homeless, it's caring for the poor, it's caring for all of the vulnerables of society. Why did James not have to say that? Because James understood that if the church of Jesus Christ did not protect the most most vulnerable, those that literally can't defend themselves in the womb, the child, that the church of Jesus Christ doesn't stand a chance to protect anyone else at any other stage of life. The reason as a church we must understand the critical nature of abortion and the critical nature of the sanctity of human life from the moment of conception is that if we are not able to defend the most vulnerable, we don't stand a chance to defend the most vulnerable at any other stage of life. 
We must get this and understand it. The most vulnerable, a baby in the womb that literally has no way to defend themselves. If we can't defend the least of these, we have no right and no ability and don't stand a chance of protecting anyone. We must understand that the sanctity of human life begins from the moment of conception. Sanctity of human life, inseparable from the doctrine of the image of God. The sanctity of human life, established for the people of God. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, personhood begins at conception. So how do we respond? If this is the truth and has always been the truth for the people of God, where do we go from here? How do we respond? What is our call to action as God's people here on earth? The first is this, we lay down our lives. We lay down our lives. We are called not to a life of ease and convenience, but a life of sacrifice. And part of laying down our lives in sacrificial service to others is that we get involved. We prayerfully consider today and tomorrow, God, how will you use my time, talent, and treasure for the least of these, for those that cannot defend themselves Maybe you go back and you talk to Hope Women's Center. How can I be used? You're a teenager and you bring 10 baby bottles into school tomorrow. You, you think about ways to spread this message, to get involved, to roll up your sleeves and to say, I will be used. Listen to me. We will lose our voice as a church if we simply shake our fist in condemnation at abortion. Shaking our fist at abortion simply identifies the problem, but does nothing to make a difference. We must not only shake our fist at abortion, we must step up and take a stand and get involved. As I said before, this is the story of the history of Christianity. You might be sitting here this morning and saying, we've been talking about this for 50 years in our country. Is it ever going to change? Is it ever going to be overturned? Is anything ever going to be done about this? Listen to me. This is our heritage as a people of God. You look through church history, it was always a faithful remnant in every generation that refused to be silent, that said, I will be used. Some of the greatest things that happened in the history of our world saw Christians standing up and saying, not on my watch will darkness prevail. I shudder to think what this world would look like today in the 21st century if it was not for the faithful remnant in every generation willing to take a stand. So we lay down our lives and we get involved, first thing. The second, we need to be informed. Part of the problem in the church, particularly in North America, is we are just simply ignorant. But there are so many resources at our disposal we can have, find resources at D. James Kennedy Ministries. Just this week, Dr. Frank Wright offered for Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, anybody that's here or anybody that's watching at home, their new book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, which takes us through incredible sermons from our founding pastor, D. James Kennedy, helping to inform the Church of Jesus Christ on the sanctity of human life. You can go to djameskennedy.org forward slash life and, and receive that free resource 
along with so many other resources at that ministry. Family Research Council, frc.org, tons of free information concerning the sanctity of human, of human life. I want to also recommend to you a resource, Dr. Larry Stevens, entitled Your Child's Faith, which traces the physical, emotional, and faith development of a child inside the womb. You'd be astonished of the research that is, is available to the church to see that a child is being developed physically, emotionally, and even spiritually in the womb. Tons of resources made available to you to learn about the sanctity of human life. But we're not only informed by resources, we need to know the facts. How many of you were surprised when I said 60 million babies were aborted in the last 50 years? 92%, listen to this statistic, 92% of Down syndrome babies are aborted. 92% of Down syndrome babies are aborted in this country. The last 10 months, we've been focused on a pandemic. Did you know that 42% of all deaths worldwide are a result of abortion? 42% of all deaths worldwide are a result of abortion. How many of you here this morning are surprised by those statistics? We need to know, we need to know this information. Two miles from here, on Cypress and Dixie, one of the most active abortion clinics in Broward County, close to a hundred, a hundred babies aborted every single week. The deadliest place in our city is about two miles away. Two miles away. And some of us don't even know about it. We need to know this information. We also need to know that science is on our side. The Church of Jesus Christ gets criticized by ignoring science or dis people dismissing us that we don't have the information or the facts. Bernard Nathanson, leading practitioner of abortion in America in the 1980s, was responsible for the death of 60,000 children. Bernard Nathanson led the largest abortion clinic in the nation. But just around the time when the black and white truths that were being revealed from the technology and the invention of the ultrasound, Listen to what Bernard Nathanson said. He said, with ultrasound for the first time, we could see the human fetus. We can measure it, bond with it, see it, and love it. I changed my mind with the truth of scientific data. It persuaded me that we could no longer indiscriminately continue to slaughter that which is demonstrably a human being. Bernard Nathanson eventually, once a devout atheist, eventually committed his life to Jesus Christ and was transformed. Allow the information, allow the truth, allow the science to inform the way you think, to allow it to inform the way you vote, and allow the truth and the facts and the resources to inform the way you serve. So we need to lay down our lives and get involved. We need to be informed. But thirdly and lastly, we need to be the church of Jesus Christ that offers hope. Jesus Christ and his church working through his church is the hope of the world. And we have a message of hope in the midst of utter hopelessness. If the statistics are true, then that means there are women here this morning and watching online that have either had an abortion or contemplating an abortion. And the message for you this morning is that here at Coral Ridge, you do not wear the scarlet letter. Because all we are here at Coral Ridge are broken sinners.
that have found hope through Jesus Christ. And regardless of your past and regardless of your story, you can find hope in Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he takes your sin and your shame and your past and he does away with it and he forgives you and he takes it on. And this is the miracle of the gospel that he takes broken image bearers like you and me and through faith alone in him, he gives us his image and he takes on our brokenness in and our shame so that by faith alone in Jesus, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, if we believe in him, the promise is we are conformed into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. I wanna ask you this morning, regardless of your past, do you know him? There is hope found in no one else and nowhere else but Jesus and his cross. Doug was a college student, 22 years of age, devout atheist, hadn't darkened the doors of a church since he was a child. Finally walks into church one day and he walks up to the pastor after the service and he says, you gave me hope. I never have believed before. Haven't been to church in years. I've abandoned God. I've denied the existence of Christianity and Christ. But today I believe and today you gave me hope. I had been saving my money for four years to go to Denmark to be euthanized. But today everything changed and you gave me hope. Listen to me. This is the message of the church of Jesus Christ. Hope to the hopeless, grounded in the beautiful truth that we are created in the image of God and that Jesus Christ has come to restore that which is broken. This is the message of hope that we have in the midst of grave and grievous injustice. In light of these heartbreaking numbers, and the reality of the culture of death in which we exist in, we have the opportunity to transform this culture into a culture of life. Listen to me. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I not only want to make abortion and see abortion illegal, my desire and chief hope is that abortion would one day be unthinkable. And I want to ask you this morning, who will carry the flag? Who will carry the flag here at Coral Ridge for those that can't carry the flag? Who will stand and defend those who cannot defend themselves? Who will stand with the least of these, the most vulnerable, the defenseless? I want to ask you a question. For a church that believes in standing with those that cannot defend themselves for a church that has call, been called to stand with the least of these. I want to ask you, is there any more least than the unborn in America? Will you stand? Will you no longer turn a blind eye? Will you no longer live as if this is not something that is a pandemic of global proportions? But will you stand 
and be the people of God that you have been called to be, defending the cause of those who cannot defend themselves.